everyone. Welcome back to another episode of I Can Do This All Day. I'm Dan, the part-time Avenger, and with me is Mark, the resident Jedi. Hello there. So today we're continuing uh, number three for our August retro rewind approach to, to our podcast, and uh, we've moved on to the 90s. And we picked a few 90s movies. Um, this was a hell of a debate because we've watched a ton of movies from the 90s over the time. So we tried to pick um, some things that were representative of, of you know that era and some things that were a little off base. We, we took one from each. But the first movie we're going to talk about today, um, you know, I, I don't want to it, it wasn't somebody's specific pick. It was more Dan brought it up and I was like, yeah, because that person really defined the decade of the 90s in a big in a big bad way so um first movie we're going to talk about is quentin tarantino's second movie pulp fiction pulp fiction i mean you can't think of the 90s without thinking quentin tarantino in that particular movie you know I, i don't know how many people bought that soundtrack um you know all the different references everyone Colin Burgers Royale with cheese and stuff like that. There's so many awesome nuggets and, um, you know, really great dialogue. And it's one of those movies that I felt like, okay, we can't do a 90s episode without talking about this. But let's talk about Quentin Tarantino a little bit, uh, just because, you know, what was your origin with him um and and your exposure to his movies i i'm a huge tarantino fan i'll watch anything tarantino does um i i i think that it comes from our mutual love of having both worked in a in a video store that tarantino's definitely you know on my top five directors list too so talking about this movie i'm super excited what about you dan this was my first exposure to it and uh funny enough it was um a childhood friend of mine that got me into the movie first. So I had heard the soundtrack prior to watching the movie and I was over at my buddy's house. It's very clear. Um, Pablo, if you're listening to this podcast, uh, I remember playing basketball in your driveway and your brother cranked on the first track of the Pulp Fiction soundtrack uh, which is the the pumpkin and honey bunny going right into Dick Dale's Miser Lou. And I'd never heard it before. I was like, holy shit, that's like the coolest intro to anything. What is that from? And so he's like, oh, that's Pulp Fiction, man. You, you have to watch it. So sure enough, I rented that movie, watched it. And I think it was just because of the fact that it was so clever. And there's so many inside jokes and references that I would do with my friends regarding that movie that it was just like, yeah, this is freaking amazing. And so I think my very first uh, Tarantino interest was very superficial. I don't even think it was really real is so much that I just wanted to have something to bond with my friends over. So it was one of those things that I didn't appreciate it as much as I do now And every time you watch that movie, there's something additional that you will pick up. And that's what I like about his movies. This isn't even my favorite movie of his, but I freaking love it. It's awesome. There there are some some shortcomings to it, but at the same time, we'll get into a little bit of that. But yeah, Quentin Tarantino, star of Pulp Fiction, went off to Reservoir Dogs and 
kind of went down the gamut of everything after that. I think it's funny that you that you mention the the soundtrack because this soundtrack did something that a lot of 90s soundtracks started to do and I know that that like Kevin Smith did it with like Mall Rats and 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 things like that but they put clips of the movie into the soundtrack which isn't super common and isn't common anymore right I, I just remember like the Jay and Silent Bob soundtrack having that in there um and the Mall Rats soundtrack and Pulp Fiction that's a that's a that's a good call out um this this might have been one of the most napstered albums uh out there solely for for some of the quotes in it right but no i i, I dig that i i dig it what what's what's what strikes you about like the open of this movie when you're first watching it or you're watching it again it's just the the curiosity as to like what the fuck are they talking about and why are they talking so much that to me that was like an interesting thing because at the time i watched it i think i was in maybe sixth or seventh grade Whoa. Uh, maybe even fifth grade fifth grade going into sixth grade i can't remember and so that's the first time i watched it and so it was like one of those things where i'm used to act or um you know action getting to the point comedic movies getting to the point um not very character driven stories or dialogue driven stories so this is where i expect a beginning a middle and an end and i just get thrust right into this fucking stick up you know it's like hey everybody cool this is a be or everybody be cool this is a robbery right this is what i'm just pushed into and so that dick dale miserly song hits hard and so i was like wow i don't know what i'm in for but i'm in for a ride so it's one of those things that it's just uh the dialogue to me is obviously a tarantino staple but it was something that was very different to me as a person who had watched plenty of movies and plenty of movies that i probably shouldn't have watched at the ages that i've watched them this one still was very uh shaping of my my youth into my uh, adulthood for sure you you at least knew how to how to administer an adrenaline needle um, that and i didn't realize that you suck a little bit of blood out first when you're shooting heroin i don't know i guess that's I, how I, do I, I don't know how to shoot I heroin. Don't know. <laughs> no, i don't know um but so how did you feel about the fact that you watched like towards the end of the movie at the beginning of the movie and the cut-ups that tarantino does since we're on the Tarantino subject, how did you feel about experiencing for the first time this ADD all over the place, jumble it up, don't reveal anything till you reveal something style that has now become a staple? I didn't understand it. I just thought it was cool because it was something that my friends and I could, you know, I just liked the clips, the phrases, the music that's what i liked i don't i wouldn't even say that i really liked the storyline of the movie i'm sure i didn't get it at sixth grade so it was just one of those things where it's like it was confusion but oh i guess it's cool you know like this is this is something that that should be appreciated but i wasn't really far into saying that like 
yeah, I like the cinematography of the movie. I like the way of the flow. I liked how it goes back and forth. Like, throw that shit out the window. I was just liking the fact that, wow, this bitch says, if any of you fucking pricks move, I'm going to execute every last motherfucking one of you. And so that's what I liked about it. It wasn't, it wasn't the nuts and bolts, this makes sense type of movie for me. What about you? What did what did you think I about when it. you first watched I, it? I, as a... Um as a as a person who like like used to read those books that like jump around to multiple places as a kid and like the fact that i'm are you talking about the choose your own adventure oh yeah i chose my own adventure all the time (laughs) this is Um, not like that at all but but either way like i i just like the challenge of putting together the puzzle a little bit and that's what tarantino does right he gives you the pieces and you got to put them together and it that somehow spoke to me as a way to like keep my attention and also um it's just something different and i loved it i i do my wife hates it how old were you when you started i was in i was probably 16 or 17 came out 94 so it was about six years after release that i saw it i i remember people talking about it talking about reservoir dogs back in the day but i think this is a movie that was kept from me for obvious reasons um i probably would have been too impressionable to 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 view this honestly the the uh, the od scene makes me uncomfortable now really? so yeah um i never but, had a problem with it it was one of those weird things and like i'm not a big needle person like I am not the uh, needle, just I mean Uma Thurman plays it very well, but it's just like I I'm I'm good. I'm good. Let's gotcha. get you something funny. Yeah. Or something, you know, snappy. Like not she's fucking dying, you know? Yeah. Talk to me about the watch. Let's get to the watch part. So that was probably one of the best monologues out there. Ever. Ever. Christopher Walken at his best. I wish. So one of my communications classes in college, um, it was public speaking. And one of the things is we needed to do a monologue or a speech from, from somewhere. And so the only thing that I could think of was the Ben Affleck monologue in Boiler Room, which I played to a T. Awesome. Got oh, a, man. an A grade for it. It was That's great. funny. But seeing this movie again recently i was like why the fuck did i not do do that as the monologue Uh you know what mine was i I also took a public speaking class i did the um the the why i shouldn't work for the nsa speech from goodwill hunting no no kidding yeah yeah wait (laughs) you went to northern right no no i went to i went to juco my friend all right. So for some reason, I thought that we, so I went to Northern Illinois My wife for some did. reason. Okay. That's what it was. Um, it would have been funny if we like took the same class and, uh, you know, like, yeah. you know, but anyways, so interesting. And Affleck and Damon. Did, yeah, no, that, that didn't happen, but I like where you're romanticizing in your head. It should have been, it should have been that way, but no. Um, yeah. The, <laughs> that, that uh, monologue, did you get it? when you were that young did you did you i wasn't that young i know why he stuck it up his ass because he was in a pow camp yeah but 
Did you also you find it? Did you find it funny too, though? Is that he kind of glazes over the fact that his dad dies of dysentery, which is probably because he, he shoved stuck the watch, watch up his ass. ass. <laughs> so it's just it's it, that's one of the things I didn't get until recently. And um, I wore this uncomfortable hunk of metal up my ass. Yeah. Oh my, it's so good. And Walken, and the, dude, Walken looks so damn young in this. He does. He does. You forget. He, he does. He looks young. Yeah. You forget that he's really old now. <laughs> so, oh, and they put the exclamation on the scene because he just grabs it. Not like, yeah. I don't want to talk. Can, can I get some hand sanitizer for this watch, please? Cool. But even even the beginning to that scene, this is something else that I picked up is that the I'm assuming it's like the grandma or the mom or so, whoever is taking care of him. It's like, yeah. Hey, Butch, remember when I said your dad died in the POW camp? Well, this guy wants to talk to you. Like, way to bring it up in a nice, smooth way. You know, like, that was kind of funny to me. And I never picked that up before. And I was just like, this lady needs to take some classes in sensitivity training. You wonder why Butch is a boxer and is just his rage is misplaced and unaligned. Do you think it's because he had a watch that smelled like shit on his wrist for all? Those I would years? hope it didn't smell like shit anymore. I would hope <laughs> that he took it somewhere, didn't tell him. That was oh man, it, it, during my my small time foray in the in the in the in the cell phone industry, I can empathize with whatever watchmaker Butch took this thing to to get clean, is because you wouldn't you- tell him that it was worn up their ass. People wouldn't tell you. That they dropped their phone in the toilet. And once they did, uh, I would put it down, hand sanitizer, and then get like a couple plastic bags to pick it up. And they'd be like, it's not that bad. And I was like, yeah, fuck right. You, man. Yeah, yeah, fuck you. Exactly. <laughs> but, but, but like, I, 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 um, I thought it was, I just, that's my favorite, one of my favorite parts of the movie. Dude, you're telling me that an eight year old kid took that watch to get cleaned? No fucking way. He wore that shit-stained watch on his wrist, and that's why he became a boxer, because all the kids were like, Butch smells like like shit. (laughs) (laughs) That's the reason why he's a boxer. Shit-stained just knocked you out. (laughs) Yeah. Like, everyone made fun of him, so he's like, you know what? I'm going to take all this rage out, and I'm going to join boxing club. So, yeah. Boxing club. uh, You went to a fucking private boys high school fucking boxing club there we had a boxing team or boxing program where that we did that um i didn't i didn't join but yeah no i went to public school we didn't have a boxing club but we had fights we had fights too (laughs) fights too 210 behind the hen baby south side chicago represent that's a white hen reference by the way r.i.p white hen yes best best deli in convenience stores when you run out, you run out to White Hen. That's that's it, man. Except when <laughs> White Hen runs out and they're gone. Yeah. So that scene, your favorite out of the entire movie? I I can't say it's my favorite. I mean, the Ezekiel twenty five seventeen scene at the end and at the beginning, where he's talking to fucking um, flock of seagulls. That was I a mean, good one. Samuel L. Jackson in this movie. This might be my absolute favorite Samuel L. Jackson movie. I would I say that's that's it, not far off. 
it may not be his best from an artistic perspective, right? Like he's done better acting jobs. Hold on. Are we really going to see a movie with Samuel Jackson because he acts no. really well in it? No, but he's put on like in Hateful Eight or in Django. His performances were amazing. Yeah, you're right. Like in period on it, right? As Nick Fury, I enjoy him. But Jules is my dude. He's a bad motherfucker. That's right. That's right. Um, Speaking of that that wallet, so that was so cool. I've almost bought that wallet so many times. (laughs) So many times. I... I didn't have a bad motherfucker wallet, but someone did get me a nice mother lover wallet. And I had that for the longest time. And it was, it was a a solid, a solid second place for that. So I, I enjoyed it. I like it. I like it. um, I, I would say that my favorite, my favorite scene would have, I, I believe it probably has to be at the diner at the end with, Vincent and Jules where Travolta's basically just like giving them flat out shit. You know, it's like, no, Jules, you decide to be a bum. There's a word for that, (laughs) you know? And so like, it's just one of those cool things where these guys have been buddies throughout the entire movie. Right. And yeah, they get into some shit and you, you, most cases in a movie when friends, and I'm assuming that they're friends, right. Cause they respect each other. They spend a lot of time. They bullshit a lot, but you expect the friends to not go their separate ways at the end of the movie. Now, granted, this movie's and the juxtaposition. But that's is all not over the, the end of the movie. That's right. the middle of the movie. But it really is the end of the movie because well, that's indicative as to how their paths go. They they decide to go off. Jules walks the earth like Kane and Kung Fu. And Vincent gets shot on the shitter. Yeah. And what a shitty hitman. So here's another thing, too. Is, is Vincent Vega a shitty hitman because he leaves his automatic weapon on the kitchen counter while he goes take a shit and read a book? Is he a shitty hitman? Yeah. Yeah, but he wasn't with his partner. Because his partner left him. So did yeah. Vincent die because of his, because? He was distracted because of what Jules had said to him or because Jules wasn't there or was he just a shitty hitman? Yeah. He was in prison for a while, right? He was. Sounds like he was just a bad criminal altogether. Yeah. Maybe he should have stayed where the Royales with cheese come from. You dig it the most. Okay. So (laughs) we talked about like our favorite scenes in the movie. I think it's safe to say the most disturbing scene in the movie is when Zed brings out the gimp. Yeah, yeah. But it does get us to one of the one of the like yeah, I could see that. The best progression shot in the entire movie where he goes from pipe to bat to to chainsaw to samurai sword. But what were you thinking? as a 16-year-old or 17-year-old watching that movie for the first time? I don't think I got the whole the gimp thing entirely until you really look at it as in, like, how long has the gimp been in there? Yeah. 
But wait, wait, wait. I'm not even talking about the GIMP character specifically. I'm talking about what's happening to Marcellus Wallace. Oh, the Marcellus Wallace is getting fucked in the ass? Yeah, He's no. getting fucked like a bitch. That's what Does Marcellus Wallace look like a bitch? At that point, he does. Yeah. He, he looks like he's, he's Zed's bitch. Who's uh, Zed? Zed's dead, baby. Dude, I was trying to understand why. Yeah, I can see you as a young child like, what are they doing? Are they playing? Like, I mean, I, I was... 12 or 13 so like i knew what sex was i had never seen a big black man raped by a yeah by a by a white nationalist exactly and and like it just didn't i was like what the fuck this is so fucked up but um i would just like to say that as an actor when proposed with that script Ving Rhames just, you know, props to him because I don't know if I could, you know, in good faith, accept that scene in the script. If I were the actor, I just don't so, know. If I it's, yes, it's acting, but oh, man, that's rough. I feel like most actors and this was Tarantino's second movie. So so he had he, he had already done the. The Reservoir Dogs, which got huge reviews and was amazing, right? But not I, like a big commercial success by any means. But it won so, it, it, it won some awards. Won some awards, but doesn't mean like a movie's a commercial success, right? But my my point being is in the 90s, as a black actor, you're willing to and like I said, credits of Ving Rames on it, because it was the right call. You're willing to as an actor, put yourself in a scene like that, which you and I both know that if you're put into certain scenes in movies, it could be just detrimental to your career. It could freaking take you off the off the rails and your career's done. Like, oh, that's the guy that got boofed by Hillbilly. Well, we're not going to put him in this movie. You know, it's just one of those things where that, it was a very ballsy pick. And the fact that it was such a big movie that it didn't matter. And he still got work regularly after that. Well, yeah, because he was in Pulp Fiction. But I think before that, like his career, like wasn't it wasn't amazing. The two movies he did before Pulp Fiction were um, The Saint of Fort Washington, which was a Matt Dillon, Danny Glover movie. But that's my point, though. So. The fact that he didn't have a big career before and putting him in a very awkward position, literally, in this movie, that could totally fuck up your career. But it didn't. I mean, where can it go from being in Dave and that movie? And then working at all, that's for sure. Well, then within a few years, he goes into Mission Impossible, which he's still doing those movies. He did strip tease. Um, that's, he, he but got that's a my regular point, character on that... ER. Yeah, no, he took a risk and got a big reward. Yeah, I agree. So, I mean, oh god, what an awful scene of a movie! But yet, you know, that music. So, speaking of the music again, with the Comanche song that just blares out with the saxophone and the the oh my god, the growling of the saxophone, dude. I don't know of anyone that if they heard that song that they wouldn't think of that scene. Even if they've never seen the movie before, something will trigger in their 
DNA that'll just be like, this is from Pulp Fiction. This is from Pulp Fiction. I don't think that's the case. I don't think oh. that any music would make people just think, man, somebody's getting butt fucked. Like, what are you talking about? Are you serious? You call anyone that okay. has seen that movie and you play that song and they'll they'll probably be like, ugh. While characters like Ving Rhames jumped out at me, I would say that the biggest box office draw actor in this movie to me had the least impact overall. Bruce Willis? Bruce Willis. Did not give a shit about that it was Bruce Willis. I think it was interesting that he was in that movie to where he was like the the big name actor and obviously like Travolta was huge before, but yeah, but this was his reclamation, right? This was his relaunch. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I I mean, I didn't, I didn't necessarily care about Bruce Willis as Butch. It was all of the bit characters that stole the show. Mm -hmm. Right. So it was Samuel L. Jackson that stole the show. Well, yes, yes. But every scene that he was in, Ving Rhames outshined him. Um, Zed outshined him. And, and I can't remember the other guys, um, the other guy's name that was in that scene, too, where he was just sitting there having the most pleasure watching him get uh, violated. But those people's performances are what made the scenes. It wasn't really Bruce Willis. I, I can't really remember a scene where i was like i really like bruce willis in that scene i don't know no you know even rosanna correcting he kept correcting her about the the chopper it's a chopper yeah yeah shut up butch with um but fabiana is is the name i think oh god i can't remember the name fabian 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 Mm -hmm. dude the funny thing about her is she's just a simpleton a flat out simpleton and she's with this boxer. And so like, I thought that was kind of funny how they played that off to where she's literally just like very much like a child and she ends up crying or she ends up getting upset when Butch pushes her buttons or or yells at her or something like that. And it's just very telling of like, wow, this is kind of like a bunch of kids just in adult bodies you know that's that's one of the things like and, and i you kind of think about that as butch is like you tell me what to do i'm gonna do it but never mind i'm not gonna listen to you and, and so his his childish um childish decision not to take the dive ends up getting them in trouble and just run and run and run i mean well he knew he wasn't gonna take the dive he was taking the money and running he knew he already had the plan Right, and then she forgot his fucking watch. Yeah, and then but we got a great monologue. That that kind of dialogue back and forth is like, you need to think really hard. Did you get the watch? <laughs> He's like, yes, I did. <laughs> she's like, like no, I didn't. I don't know. And then she's like, and like cries, like, oh my god, that's totally what a kid would do. I mean, my kids have done that plenty of times. <laughs> so it's just so funny that he thought. Like, I'm going to ask again. And, um, you know, and then he's yelling at himself in the car. Totally what, you know, like a parent would do as well, too. It's like, I specifically told you, don't forget to watch. I'd wreck that car, baby. (laughs) 
Oh man. And what about like uh, Esmeralda, the the cabbie after just kind of a weird character. Tarantino's excellent and just having these weird characters for no reason other than to elevate that scene's weirdness. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no. He he definitely picked some interesting people like Eric Stoltz to be in this movie. Yeah, well, he was probably heartbroken that he wasn't Marty McFly. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I I definitely agree. Like, just the the casting on this is so so good. But it, again, like the main th- the big two carry it right in Travolta and and Jackson, but Uma Thurman, who before this, like, what was Uma Thurman really in? It shows up as as um amazing in this and ends up being tarantino's muse for years to come um you know i mean she was she she was in a a bad version of robin hood did you know this as maid marion i didn't know yeah she was in the patrick bergen robin hood um but yeah she's been in a bunch of she was before this in a bunch of you know, just randos, um, you know, nothing, nothing amazing. And then she gets this and it just takes off for her. I mean, you, I wasn't like a huge Mia Wallace fan in this, but uh, she's a very cool character, you know, like some of her back and forth on everything. And the joke, and you... the joke for me, she nailed that. And just, I was just like, okay, I get it. (laughs) But, you know, for her, um, you have this, I I don't know if she's necessarily a junkie, right? She just likes to party. Mm -hmm. And so she thinks she hit the jackpot with with a baggie of cocaine, but, oh, sorry, that's the best heroin out there and you're going to fuck yourself up. And, um, you know, then it goes into that whole intense car ride, and uh, scene over at Eric Stoltz's house. And so it's just, uh, yeah, it's an interesting up and down moment because earlier in the movie, when Jules and Vincent are talking about how Tony Rocky Horror uh, fell off of a four-story window um, because of his alleged relations with Mia Wallace, Mm -hmm. uh, you think that something might happen with Vincent. And he's kind of just, he's almost kind of like a moron. You know, Vincent's kind of a moron. He's just like, you think he's cool, but then watching it again, for me, just the way that I took off him, he's just kind of like this oaf. You know, he, he's this well-traveled oaf. That's, that's what I think of Vincent Vega. Vincent Vega, not too smart career criminal. Needed to stay home and watch Kung Fu and then walk the earth. So what did you think about Harvey Keitel as uh, the wolf? The wolf? The wolf was amazing. Driving up in that NSX. I'll be there in exactly seven. Like just, just, yeah. I loved it. That scene for me, the dialogue is just so good. The dialogue from, from the jump, right? When they, when, they, oh shit, I just shot Marvin in the face. <laughs> I, and it's not. It's not funny, but it's really funny. What do you, 
You think God came down from heaven and stopped the... Um, and if you watch that part of the movie, there's a continuity issue, right? Because the bullet holes are there before the, the shots happen, right? Yeah, it's an issue with the movie. It's like a, a, a well-known issue. Huh. But it, it's it's just that whole scene then going into the storage conversation and the what i i'm not gonna i'm not gonna we're not gonna have a fight i'm gonna get divorced yeah isn't that such a weird conversation that he's on such a different page than these guys right now he's not worried about getting convicted for accessory to murder or anything like that. he's not worried about the coffee in his kitchen he's worried about the issue in his garage yeah it's just so crazy like yeah he's worried about getting divorced as opposed to the uh, manslaughter charge that he'll have or, or, or whatever it is so um yeah and quentin tarantino does a really good job of being in his movies i think he always puts himself in his movies but nothing to where it's too crazy he just has enough of this edgy dialogue that makes him memorable but it adds to the scenes. That's he doesn't do it between. as much anymore, though. Early right. on, he did. Early on, he was a little vain about it. But I thought he was... A, I like him as an actor. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I like Tarantino delivering Tarantino lines. Um, but I got to ask you a question, Danny. Are you an Oak man? Dude, Oak is the worst. Just so you know. I'm not like, an Oak man. Jimmy, Quentin Tarantino's character, was like, Oak's nice. And just thinking in the back of his head, like, I would have picked Cherry or some some maple or something but <laughs> oak is really the old people shit but it's that... expensive so he's like oak's nice give him the money you I can have guess, my shit yeah these were these were a wedding gift true but oh man it, it's just funny that that's the case or you know what he could have been like if i say that i like or i don't like oak I think I might get shot. So I'm just gonna say that I like oak you know yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. not worth the hassle of getting divorced or getting murdered I'm just going to say that, that I want it. So I always wondered what kind of coffee Jimmy had, because while coffee grounds make a difference, I can't see a major difference in drip coffee. Like I, I can't, like, it's not, it's just drip coffee to me. Um, I know I'm preaching to the choir because you do not have a, uh, a coffee opinion whatsoever, but maybe our listeners do. Maybe somebody can, can throw us a, a comment or a message or a DM or a, a, a whatever, an email or a, a letter. Not that we're getting an address, um, but, you know, you can let us know if, if you have a specific guess on Jimmy's coffee. All I know is that he buys it because when Bonnie buys it, she buys shit. It's true. Um, so I want to talk about a, a duo that's pretty that they open the movie and they close the movie with and that's tim roth and amanda Plummer as pumpkin and honey Bunny. what did you think about their dialogue back and forth and let's be honest on a scale of one to crazy how crazy is amanda Plummer? oh super nuts like mia wallace is a school teacher compared to this woman like just super crazy <laughs> but how awesome is Samuel L. Jackson talking about point the gun at me? Point yeah. it, don't point the gun at me. 
so cool. The guy is so cool under pressure. And, and you know, just reflecting on it, the best line in the movie might be when he's like, reach in that bag and pull out my wallet. <laughs> Which one is it? The one that says bad motherfucker. And everybody's like, well, that's a cool way to say it. But then, and then he pulls out and actually says, but that's why I've almost yeah. bought that wallet so many times. Um, it's, it's a good. It, it's it, it, Tim. Uh, um, <clears throat> Tim Roth's just, just chill is a, such a cool balance off of it, right? You could tell that he's the, you know, I don't want to say manipulator in that relationship, but he's the brains and she's the cuckoo bird. Um, and yeah, no, I, I, it was such a, they're not in the movie much. You don't know what happens before or after, but it's just a great introduction. And then Tim Roth's in Tarantino movies forever. Amanda Plummer is just weird in every movie that she's in, though. So I, I just watched So I Married an Axe Murderer, and she's in that as well, too. Crazy. She's an axe murderer. Um, but yeah, it, it's is one of those that, cool... Wait, sorry. Would you think that that is the pinnacle of Amanda Plummer's career? The lead I so. in So I Married an Axe Murderer? These, these two movies, for sure. It's Absolutely. not on her married and axe murder, not her top four IMDBs. Really? Um, Abigail Harm from 2012, uh, The Fisher King from 91, um, which is, you know, a serious movie, and uh, and Ratchet, which I think is a Netflix movie. Yeah, yeah. Or show. Oh, no, the TV it's series is a show. It's a show. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. She's always. She did a voice on Phineas and Ferb as well. She was probably crazy on that too. But uh, yeah. her, she does a very good job playing crazy though. So like her yelling at Jules, like, you let him go. I would have thought you away. It's like, oh my God, this bitch is too much. And just, so. Jules, shoot her. <laughs> just shoot the bitch. <laughs> exactly. I know I would have like, this, this chick is going to flip out. So I better shoot her now before she shoots me. It's like, Jules, you got some cold-blooded shit to say to a motherfucker before you pop a cap in his ass. Do it. Which, by the way, she totally could have taken the shot and he would have been dead, you know, if she was a good shot. Assuming that, you know, in movies, you're always a good shot. She could have taken the shot. Jules would have been dead and everything would have been fine. And they would have got what was in the briefcase. Yeah. Which, by the way, yeah, what was in the briefcase? What do you think was in the briefcase? There's there's so many representations. And, but and what do you what I do don't you even think... think I have an opinion. I think well, my you've got favorite to have an one, opinion. <laughs> I, I think my favorite one is it's Marcellus Wallace's soul. Yeah, I think we've all heard that one too. And it, it's a good one. It's a very good theory because you got the bandage on the neck, six 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 is the combination on the briefcase. Um, have you heard the it's Elvis's gold jumpsuit? No, that's that's one that was I thought that was kind of clever because he's a big Elvis fan. Um, I think I like the it's the diamonds from Reservoir Dogs theory. I really oh. like that one. That would have been pretty cool, but doesn't make sense, but it would have been pretty cool just to connect everything together. Yeah, I can see that. There was supposed to be a uh, Vic Vega, Vincent Vega movie with the Vega brothers with Travolta and Michael Madsen, but that just never 
never came through. But uh, it could have been. It could have been. Oh, man, that would have been nuts. Do you know that they made a, a reference to this movie in um, The Winter Soldier? Um, maybe. Which one? Which reference? When they kill Nick Fury. Oh, yeah, yeah. On Nick yep. Fury's gravestone is engraved in Ezekiel 2517. Yes, yes. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's one of the things. I was surprised that they put that in there just because of the fact that like i would think that disney would distance themselves from stuff i think like Daniel L. jackson gets what he wants yeah that's true i mean got a purple lightsaber for god's sake so. God, that's it that's it you know i don't even think we need to talk about the plot because the characters and the dialogue is what drives no the story. i think we've done an appropriate an appropriate review of this of this movie by jumping all over the place not being consistent and coherent and just uh uh, throwing in enough quotes to get us to get us through what we should have done is asked each other if we can do this all day in the middle of the episode and then at the end we we talk about the beginning of everything so i mean technically this is the middle of the episode because true true movie. so i guess so but mark i think i know what you're gonna say here but can you do this movie all day you're gonna be surprised i can do this movie some days really I love it, but it's one of those movies that I watched a bunch as a background noise movie or as whatever. And other than for this podcast, I can't remember the last time I actually was like, I'm going to watch Pulp Fiction. I had it on like VHS. I'd throw it in all the time. Um, I think I have it on DVD somewhere, but I, I, I haven't watched it. I hadn't watched it in probably, you know, five to six years. Which is, you know, I've watched a bunch of other Tarantino stuff, but I just hadn't watched this. It's one of those that that I'd watched enough to where it's here. Like I can, I can, it'd take a minute, but I used to be able to go line for line on this movie. And yeah, it's not an everyday for me anymore. Okay. Now, when you say not an everyday, is it just because like, I don't wish to see this every day? Or is it like, do you still like it? But it's like I I physically cannot watch it every single day because of the content. No, it's it's a it's a nostalgic enjoy, but it's not a a a continuous. It's now it's nostalgia for me. It's not like you know positive like yeah I love that or I feel refreshed after watching it or whatever. Like I don't know why you watch some the well. There's and- some movies like you you feel like mentally refreshed after you just can check out and enjoy it. I can okay. check out and enjoy this movie, but I, it's not one that like my brain goes to. I can't really give you a good reason why, but I can do this some days and I love it. Would you divulge without divulging the specific movies, but could you watch any Quentin Tarantino movie all day? That's a good question. Okay. So we'll save that for, for another potential episode in the future, because I think that's something where, you know, our rating system is a little bit different, right? So we, we have this notion of, uh, hey, we can either watch it all day, or we can watch it some days, and I can't watch it all day because this movie sucks. But um, this is a movie for me that, yes, I can do this all day uh, because of that nostalgia, 
if there's one thing that our listeners know is that we are suckers for nostalgia and me particular, if it reminds me of some uh, childhood memory times with friends. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a good feeling. And yes, I will watch a movie, even though there's a lot of serious content in this and it's not the, the brightest of uh, feel good movies. I like the memories that come with this movie. So yeah, I can do this movie all day. Welcome back to part two of Retro Rewind 90s edition. Mark, why don't you tell us what movie we're doing? After having to sit through Pulp Fiction, which admittedly is like an amazing movie, uh, I forced Dan to sit through the uh, classic Arnold Schwarzenegger film, uh, Last Action Hero. So uh, I'm a big Arnold fan. And I, I just wanted to throw it out there that he is my action hero. Uh, I won't go into my thoughts on the movie just yet, but I wanted to point out, if you take a look at my hat right here, um, because we're doing a 90s episode, I wanted to wear this fighting Irish hat because I don't know of any white kid that did not wear a fighting Irish hat back in the 90s. So you all know the white why? kids out there. They wore a, a fighting Irish cap back in the 90s. And well, because there was no other teams to root for, but they also rocked the 90s um, Charlotte Hornets starter jacket as well. Yeah, the, the scar- my wife had a, 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 a Hornets jacket that she would want mentioned in this conversation. Was but it starter? Re- it was starter. It was pullover, half zip, the whole, the whole deal. But you got to remember that in the 90s, Notre Dame, was like knocking on the door of another national championship. They had just won one in 1988. They had a good football team, Dan. Oh, man. They had a good football, football team. Oh. Sports balls. Amazing. Sports balls. Yeah. Oh, you don't know football unless you know Notre Dame. Because oh. Oh, they, <laughs> they always lose, and it's the best. Oh. Um, it, it really is. I've, it, it, you, haven't, you haven't lived until you've watched Notre Dame get their butts whooped by, by Alabama in 3D. It's pretty great. <laughs> Rendered 3D, but 3D. Jeez, that sounds amazing, man. It, it's almost as amazing as the 1993 hero vehicle, Last Action Hero. So I picked this movie because as we've gone through, you know, our our, our retro re- rewinds, we had to include at least one Schwarzenegger movie. Uh, Dan tried to talk me into Commando, tried to talk me into Predator. And I'm like, no, I've got the Schwarzenegger movie for you in the 90s. The Schwarzenegger movie to absolutely end all Schwarzenegger movies. But why would we want to pick and really pretty much his second to last 90s action movie? Why would we want to pick that? Why would you say second to last? Because Eraser was his last. I, I don't know if I agree with the characterizations you're making about Arnold's films. You mean the action movie, the 1996 action movie Eraser with Arnold Schwarzenegger? No, no, no. The rest of the 90s movies that he made. Definitely not action. Not straight up action. Mm, Sinbad would disagree. Which one are you talking about? Are you talking about the sixth day or end of days or 
something with another day. Uh, I'm talking about Jingle All the Way, the best Arnold Christmas movie of all time. Once again, not action. Uh, I don't know. Turbo Man flew. They defeated a bad guy. Action. Uh, no. no. Uh, you're also forgetting Batman and Robin. Action. Comedy. Flat out comedy. <laughs> Negotiable. <laughs> Negotiable. <laughs> what about End of Days? End of Days now. No, End of Days 1999. Movie. One last action movie. Oh, yeah. No. No. No action. Sacrilege, true, wait, maybe. Wait. But... True Lies. Was that after? That was True Lies came out in 94. This came out in 93. Okay. True Lies was amazing. So. One of the best are the, it was between this and true lies. I After gone we with true lies over this it, one, I was like, oh, we should have talked about true lies. We should have. It's got just as many like random, kind of funny over the top quotes as this movie. But this one, I don't I just I just have it just it just hits right for me because it's so unknown. Yeah. <laughs> had you seen this movie before all right when so I background to background to how i saw this movie i saw it at uh rest in peace bremen dollar theaters uh back in bremen theater tilling park illinois i saw it there and i was so disappointed so disappointed young dan was so upset that his action hero was fiction hero in this movie but um but i will say on this rewatch maybe it's different i don't know maybe maybe i hope so so i would guess that not a lot of viewers had seen this movie not not a lot of viewers not a lot of watches we know how that is uh here here, we could do this all day (laughs) but i i think that not a lot of people saw this movie when it came out because it got sandwiched in the release schedule right like the week after jurassic park so while everybody was going back to the theater to see dinosaurs this movie was dying on the vine and was a kind of a flop you bring up a good point because if you recall from when I was talking about the Jurassic Park movies, I didn't want to see Jurassic Park. I'm not a dinosaur guy. Um, I know you have like T-Rexes uh, as like a mobile in your in your bedroom. But at the same time, like for me, I did not care about Jurassic Park. And I think at that, at that time, I would have watched Jurassic Park over this movie. So hmm. just because I know you like the soundtrack. Ma, 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 ma. No, no, I don't like it now. Mm-hmm. So <sighs> I, I think that, that there's a lot to say about this film, but the one thing I will say is it is a great spoof movie. It's a spoof movie in the, in, in, in the vein of, and I, I remember reading something about this, that, the writers wanted it to be more like the Simpsons than an action movie. Like the way the Simpsons is kind of a parody of a normal, like TV sitcom. They wanted this to have kind of a Simpson-y flavor to it. Uh, 1993, the Simpsons are gigantic. You and I are both wearing Bart Simpson shirts. uh, I'm assuming at some point, 
I did you didn't have any have Bart those. Simpson toys. Uh, well, maybe you might I have had a shirt. Bart Simpson shirt, maybe, but it was like well into the late nineties. I think the the Simpsons shirt that I had was definitely in high school. I remember it exactly now because it was like my first Simpsons shirt ever, and I was super excited. I was a freshman in high school, wearing it to like band camp, and um, a lot oh, of people man. said like, "Hey, I like your Homer shirt," and it was Homer Simpson in the thinker pose, except it was called the drinker. So. I actually like that one. It was cool. The irony of that shirt is not lost on me. And if we could find you a new version, I think it would be even more ironic than it was when you were a freshman in high school. Perhaps. Yeah. Um, so I wish I would have known your little nugget of information. I wish the internet existed when I was younger because I probably would have read some articles about that. Um, but yeah, that makes perfect sense. Like, if you wanted a parody of The Simpsons in an action movie, you freaking nailed it. I just wish I would have known that's what I was walking into. So I didn't have expectations of glorious, glorious violence with one-liners in a serious tone, but able to make fun of it. And yeah. That- I was going to say, there's still glorious, glorious violence. No blood. With so many one-liners. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it was the it was the comedic tone that threw me off guard. Okay. Okay. There's two um two casting notes before we dig into Arnold and the rest of the cast that I want to talk about. One, this is Art Carney's last movie. Mm. Art Carney was on the honeymooners forever he was the opposite of jackie gleason on the honeymooners to show just one of the million cameos that were in this movie like celebrities coming out the wazoo in this movie yeah um <laughs> it's it's so good and um i know we'll get to charles uh, charles dance in a minute to the to the lannister um but he was not the first choice for his role Really fantastic in, job, though. Oh, he fantastic was so job. good, yeah. so good in the movie. But in um, in that year, in 1993, the director, who's who has a the, the director of this movie, um, John McTiernan, uh, has such a great list of movies in the 90s and the 80s. Um, he wanted to cast a villain from one of his previous films, but he wanted too much money. Can you guess oh, what Rickman? villain he wanted Rickman? Oh, God, he wanted Rickman for the role. Fucking amazing. Fucking and, amazing. If Rickman would have done it. And while I was brushing up on this movie and reading the internet, I found out that, that Charles dance found out that he got the role. Cause Rickman wanted too much money. And literally wore a T-shirt that said, "I'm cheaper than Alan Rickman to set one day." He's um, he has not aged since that movie because he looks old as shit in this movie. <laughs> he does, his hair is a little redder, but in general, and and for those of that don't uh, recognize the name John McTiernan, uh, uh, just like, oh yeah, no, I know all his movies, right? For all those listeners who don't know. Um, his 80s and 90s credits are as such. Predator, Die Hard, Hunt for Red October, 
Medicine Man, which is an unrated Sean Connery movie, Last Action Hero. Then he jumps to Die Hard with a Vengeance, The Thomas Crown Affair with Pierce Brosnan, 13th Warrior with Banderas, the remake of Rollerball, Basic, which is a great Travolta movie, super underrated. Um, That's a a contradictory statement right in itself, but Travolta. (laughs) Travolta and Samuel L. Jackson, their first time back together since coincidentally pulp fiction um and he's in pre-production for something else but that guy is is pretty old now so i don't know how much actual directing he's gonna do um but heavy hitter like yeah. what a what an awesome just to say you know this is all i do i make movies that uh people on podcasts really love <laughs> i wish i would have known too that this was well maybe in in my like 11 year old self or 12 year old self i wouldn't have appreciated like oh this is the same director as predator well why do you make such a shitty movie you know i think that's what i would have thought but so this keep in mind this is dan talking about his 12 year old self watching this movie so um why do we dig deeper into the characters and we'll we'll kind of unfold and and peel the layers back in the onion so many layers so many where should we start i don't know Ah, Jack Slate, and now the action star. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Arnold Schwarzenegger as Detective Jack Slater fucking comes out of his, or stepping on uh, cop cars with his cowboy boots and gator skin cowboy boots and um, ready to kick ass, take names. But he's all out of paper, so he's just going to kick ass. So that first scene, uh, oh, God, fucking hilarious. And just recently watching it, so a secret to you, I actually did watch this before you picked this particular movie. So I've watched it twice, probably in the past two months. Ooh. So, uh, dude, it was like a, a brand new movie to me. So different from what I remember. And um, yeah, that first scene with Arnold, I, I watched it with my oldest son and he started laughing as well too so i think he appreciates more of the the corniness and parody action of the movie than i did when i was almost twice his age so kudos to my well, he's, oldest he's boy. got he's got good taste in movies obviously <laughs> uh, eh. <laughs> i mean if you like last action hero you're you're ema uh, in my book of course yeah <clears throat> um it, it, I I did enjoy that the 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 car chase at the beginning that's just ridiculous. Oh yeah, and it just sets the tone for the ridiculousness of the entire movie. Yeah, right. The one-handed Desert Eagle firing, like even Arnold couldn't do that. Like not a chance. That um, recoil would just break your oh, wrist. Oh man, so much. Um, but what about the premise? Let's rewind. Let's rewind to the 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 guy. Uh, uh, um, oh, what's his name? I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm looking for the, the guy who owned the theater. Nick. Nick. Um, Which, by Robert, the way, yeah, Robert Prosky. He's the only person that I will look at and just be like. That person's from Mrs. Doubtfire. He is. <laughs> Besides Robin Williams, that's the only other person that I'll say he was in Mrs. Doubtfire. 
that is that is a true statement and that that's what i wanted that's i was yeah he remind he was also in the great outdoors i never seen that movie never seen oh next retro rewind we do the 80s guess what you're watching or you know um <clears throat> but i i definitely enjoy him he was also grandpa fred in, in gremlins too um he's he's had a lot of like random small roles uh he was in rudy the same year the, the 1993 for this guy last action hero rudy and mrs doubtfire all bangers just bang 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 and then he was the judge in the in the uh the remake of miracle on 34th street yeah the 90s remake the only good remake um but it i always confuse him with the guy that pops out of the wall and uh or pops out of the wall in the wizard of oz he's always just such a happy guy and always you know in, in all the the small movies he's in but yet an- the Another movie, The Wizard of Oz. Another movie I have not seen. <laughs> I, you know what? I'm sure they played it in grade school on like Christmas, uh, the lead up to Christmas break. But do you think I watched it? No, I was probably drawing Marvel characters on loose leaf paper. So you're telling me that in private boys high school they played The Wizard of Oz? No, grade school, man. Okay think they would do that so funny story okay random alert random alert so i'm going to take you out just because of you talked about movies in high school so during one of my um i believe it was either biology or chemistry class um i want to say chemistry whatever you take in senior year chemistry sure sounds good jim um yeah that too uh there was that that class specifically the teacher got fired first semester because he was a good teacher but no one respected him and when you're in a private school full of boys that just don't give a fuck senior year you're in for a a rough time but they replaced him with a couple different substitutes the second semester one of them being a former captain i believe in the marines former captain in the Marines, Captain Johnson, if you're out there and we know that you are, and you're probably listening right now, but there was a time where he just let us bring in movies and like, all right, it's Friday. You guys can just bring in movies. We'll watch whatever you want. Well, me being the funny comedian guy that I am wanted to bring in girls gone wild. And we planned it to, (laughs) to have it, uh, they'd start off with some other movie and then they'd sneak in Girls Gone Wild like, you know, five minutes in. And so... Wait, wait, pause, is... pause, pause. <laughs> you wanted to bring softcore porn. No, I didn't want to. I thought it was going to be funny. Mm. So I did it. Mm. There's a difference. Okay. <laughs> so I brought that in. So two and... teachers got fired that year. No, no. He, he stuck with for the rest of the year. So it was awesome. But he was just so funny and cool about it. So anyways... Slight diversion. Girls Gone Wild was on exhibition at the high school that I was at in senior year chemistry class. But on with the show. There's a lot of testosterone in that room. Oh, um, yeah. It's being a chemistry. So we, we, we talked about Jack, but I want to talk about the premise. And, and Austin O'Brien or Danny in this movie, 
and his golden ticket. Um, the golden ticket. It sounds familiar to me. Very. It seems like kind of a ripoff. I don't know. Danny Madigan, I thought was super annoying when I first watched the movie. Now, I think he's hilarious that he's just calling everything out as bullshit in movies. And he's just trying to point out the fact that like, you guys are all fake. None of this stuff makes sense. You guys don't think that this is really convenient. Like, so I really love the, that sense of humor realism um, and just trying to shed light on the whole situation that you guys are a fucking movie. Why don't you realize it? Example A. <laughs> and then they just don't get it. They just don't get it. Yeah. It, it's, um, this was like his only, only his second movie after the lawnmower man. Um, but he was in, he was in that and he did come back from lawnmower man too in 1996. Um, but it was his second movie, um, which went way better than his third movie pre hysteria with a bunch of stop motion action dinosaurs. Um, where he finds dinosaur eggs and has baby dinosaurs. Um, That's rough. Yeah, that guy's career um, still going. Apparently, last last acted in 2015, um, but still going in 2015. You get yeah. you realize it's 2022. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, you know, he did some. Yeah, no, he was in My Girl too. Um, oh, the Annie yes, Clumsy, the, the Annie Clumsy vehicle. Um, you know, he was replacing dead Macaulay Culkin. Yes. Um, Who was which, almost legally dead at that particular point in time. So Was he? He was probably into some shit. I don't know. Mm, he was probably doing drugs. Mm. Uh, you know, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I don't mind his performance in this movie, but I would have loved to have seen Macaulay Culkin instead of him. Could have been Ghost Part 2 with the cast of my girl dude the cast of my girl was not shitty dan Aykroyd. dude you just one. have a hard on for dan Aykroyd. <laughs> i love me some dan Aykroyd. that's what i do um uh, so he gets a golden ticket and he's got a, a, a how do you feel about the nick and and and, and danny relationship is that weird that that, uh, that an old man lets you in the theater how does the old man did he own the theater or he just worked there like he was the phantom of the theater. The premise of the beginning of the movie kind of threw me off because it was like a guarded single mom thing. And he was getting mugged going to the theater. Go to the theater during the day, you dumbass. Nobody, it was nobody during starts the day. a movie before four o'clock. It was during the day. It was at like 830 or 930 in the morning because or no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he went there before school. So it was during the day. But yes, it is weird. But I never thought of that as a weird relationship when I was younger. Okay. So is that why so many people just got fucked up in the head? Because like, yeah, things are normal in movies like that. You know, like, yeah, I hang out with a 60 year old projectionist. That's that's, who, that's a who tells me to come back at midnight, come back at midnight bring something. <laughs> and I was like, what? Get the fuck out of here. Houdini gave me his golden ticket oh my god i was groomed by houdini um yeah the houdini reference completely out of nowhere i have no idea where that came from um i i I don't know 
that motion pictures were a big thing when Houdini was touring, but I also don't know. I just thought it was kind of weird, but either way, I got past it, and now he's in the movie. Yeah. And he's riding in the back of Schwarzenegger's car. Yeah, the action at this point on the rewatches, I'm into it, and I'm, I'm eating it all up. I was like, this is fucking hilarious. I can't believe I didn't like this when I was younger. And I, I understand now because I was going in with the perception that Arnold Schwarzenegger is going to kick ass, but he's going to be like a badass, not some type of com- comedic relief type of guy. You know, this this is where it's, you know, last action hero kind of blends the whole what action heroes are now, if that's if that makes sense, because it's not just guns muscles and bitches right like you know it's it's not something where it's like yeah he's just gonna get laid and anytime and he's gonna shoot guns and he's not gonna have a scratch on him he blends like the the comedic effort but also has the the sad story about his son so it humanizes him more where before you don't have that story you're if you're an action hero in the 80s or 90s um or early 90s i should say you're a badass motherfucker that has no emotional ties to anybody. And if one of your family members got killed, you would shed a single tear and then it would be a hail of bullets across the screen for at least 80 minutes. I don't know. I could think of a few 90, the 90s was like the evolution of the action hero, right? Evolving, right, exactly. But yeah. 80s, it was flat out kick ass take names and sleep with the female lead that's what it was when did lethal weapon come out uh 87 maybe i think mel gibson's character in lethal weapon was was that you know he had the dead wife and he was true and he did karate and he had a dog and yeah for sure but at the same time like historically going up to that point so even during like 70s into 80s it was just stone cold you got clint eastwood as yeah how many times as the same character in the spaghetti westerns and arnold really having no attachments i mean he was a cyborg in two movies i think so. it literally this movie was to make fun of arnold oh yeah and the for fact sure. that he had no depth in any of these movies and is such an amazing call out and then the movies after this that we talked about true lies eraser they added more depth to, to his characters oh, yeah. and it could have been, as a, you know, it, it hopefully was a, was a result of this amazing uh, 1993 that just, just, you know, time changer, right? This, this, this just such a good, bad movie. <sighs> what did you think of the friendship between Danny Madigan and Jack Slater. It was, it didn't make sense. It did or did not? It did not make sense. Like it was as weird as Nicolas Cage's kid moving in with John Travolta at the end of face off (laughs) face rake. And I accept you like that. Huh? Like there's some obvious trauma there that they're both ignoring and just like, Oh, he's like my little son. It works very well. So 
I was actually okay with it. I understood it a little bit more this time around because Slater's in denial that he is this fake paper champ. Really, that's what he is. Uh, And when Danny starts letting him know that like your badassery is 100% fiction, it isn't until the point that Arnold starts to realize like when he punches through that window, it's like, Oh, that hurt out of my hand. So yeah, that's where he's like, oh no, this is legit. And my feelings are hurt. And so that's when he starts to bond with his mom and talks, talks with his mom mm-hmm. all night. Yeah. They so, talk with the penis. <laughs> we, we should just do like the whole, uh, whole episode in, in Schwarzenegger voice. Just but, closing it out with Arnold. Yeah. yeah, everybody stopped listening when we said we we're going to yeah. talk about Last Action Hero, so it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. But uh, no, I mean, I thought that it was probably the most realistic. It was probably even more realistic than Terminator, Terminator Two, when him and John Connor bond. Um, I, believe me, I love that movie, and I love the fact that they have the bond. But I think this one makes a little bit more sense, just because of this guy in his head is the shit he is untouchable branded unfuckable <laughs> it's just so so good in the sense that he is an action star and he gets a dose of reality and then at the end of the movie after he gets shot up and everything he's like yeah i need people like you to be out there and believe in me and that was like oh that's that's a touching moment between danny Manigan and detective jack slater mm. Mm. so any other of the cast stick out to you as, as we kind of move through this like- um, there's two that i i want to get out of the way uh, so number one is lieutenant decker hilarious that this guy just fucking screams every minute that he's on screen it's just so funny and it's so, so typical of the police captains uh, or lieutenants uh, back in the day where it's like there's always a, a captain that's going to just yell at their subordinates and they're just going to give them shit the entire time. And he, he never stops until the very end. And so I, I just love that fact. And, and them making fun of it the entire movie was hilarious to me. What were your thoughts on him? I, I thought the exact same thing. He reminded me exactly of the uh, the 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 captain in um, in Beverly Hills Cop. And when I went mm. to look up if he was in Beverly Hills Cop, he was not. But he was in Loaded Weapon One. So this yeah. was his second police spoof captain role of 1993. Great movie, by the way. Loaded yes. Weapon One. Fantastic. Oh, oh. Emilio. Uh, so you brought up a, a funny point because it made me think of another movie from the 90s. And it was from the movie So I Married an Axe Murderer. Uh, Mike Myers. Yeah, yeah. And the person who played the police captain in that very well known actor. And he was freaking hilarious. Um, so, oh, God, Alan Arkin, 
you know him from so many different movies and it's just one of those things where he's he plays the sensitive captain and um anthony lapaglia is like why don't you just be like one of those other captains from the tv shows where they just yell at you and you give people shit for no <laughs> and so that's he, he does a couple scenes like that but anyways another movie but another 90s uh nostalgic hit for me personally but the yelling I, police captain that's i love it i love it i can't uh i can't complain about that i can't complain about it i love it what about my second person that i want to talk about speaking of constant yelling but uh, Bridget Wilson Sampras as Whitney Slater, Jack's daughter. Mrs. Veronica Vaughn? Yes. Yeah. I, I love that it's one of her, like, two movies because she married Pete Sampras. And that oh, you, you forget the movie that you said was comparable to Enter the Dragon, Mortal Kombat. She played oh, Sonya Blade. Oh, she was Sonya Blade. She yeah. was 100% Sonya Blade. She um, sucked as Sonya Blade, oh, man. Oh, 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 oh. That whole movie was terrible. No, the movie was good for the time, but her as Sonya Blade sucked. Uh, who... Sandra Hess in the second Mortal Kombat, way better. I would say that Bridget Wilson did a great job, and I'm not even mad at her. Bridget Wilson Sampras put some respect on her name and Pete Sampras's name. Oh, sorry. Well, Bridget, well, just so you know, the Mortal Kombat 11 that came out in 2019, guess who voiced Sonya Blade? Couldn't tell you because I never That'd saw That'd be Bridget Wilson Sampras. Really? Yeah. She's back. So wait, the, when you say Mortal Kombat 11, the video game? The video game. She oh, voiced okay. the character in the video game. That, that character... I found it so funny that she just screamed like the helpless victim as they were oh, she's just <laughs> beating the living shit out of those guys. Yeah. In she has like a, a hero fight, essentially, right? Yeah. All the same things fall in her way as Arnold, except she gets a hit and the gun goes flying. At the but it conveniently is there when Arnold needs to to take a dude out, even though he gets shot in the chest. And does the old Clint Eastwood never leave home without it? Yeah, yeah. or uh, Michael Keaton and Batman. Yeah, one of the two. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I loved her as a character, and the fact that she pulls up and and <laughs> she crashes through the fence after Jack's in the tar pit, and she's like, "Oh, I thought you might need some clothes." <laughs> like, what? No one finds this convenient. <laughs> well, before that, he says, "Yeah, tar normally doesn't just wipe off of people." Yeah. I I loved every little cheesy the tar line. pit scene when he falls in and you can actively see the area they've carved out of whatever practical tar pit they built somewhere where the water moves and the rest of the water doesn't because it's not water or tar and he just swims out. and yeah. then randomly there's some hand towels for him to wipe his face. That is it's just a microcosm of the entire movie. It is bad punnage to the next the whole premise of that scene is the flagellant guy's got one more left to go and the all the all the italians have guns on the roof oh yeah like why are we having a roof funeral it wouldn't be i don't think it would be as funny if danny doesn't call out all of the the stupidity like events that just you know it's just one of those things where he needs to point it out like 
this is ridiculous. Don't you as an audience see this ridiculous as well too? No. And then you go to the, the ridiculousness is in all of the cameos too. Sharon oh Stone's in this movie. Um, John Claude Van Damme's in this movie. Danny DeVito voices the cat detective in the movie. There's a superimposed Humphrey Bogart and the, the T-1000 comes out of the police station while they're going and he's like, the hell? <laughs> it's such a good movie. It, it's, it's so many great cameos. Who's the mayor? Tina Turner. That's right. I forgot about that cameo when I saw it. I was like, holy shit, there's so many people in this movie. It's, and it's I, obscene. I bet that they were just so disappointed at the reception of this movie, too, because like it really was good. But it's, it just... it's the idiocy of releasing it the week after Jurassic Park. Nothing. It's like releasing a movie the week after Endgame. Hmm. Do you remember what came out the week after Endgame? Nobody does. True. Nobody. There's a there's a movie that I want to watch um, that came out this year with Jamie Lee Curtis that came out oh, yeah. the week after a Marvel movie, and it was buried. I'll watch it sometime at home this year when it hits streaming or something, but it was supposedly amazing and it's funny. Yeah, it's supposed to be the best multiverse movie. Yeah, out there. So, um, but it I'm came out like it. the week after Doctor Strange or the week before or something. It just was in a ter- in nobody's going to the theater. They're only going for Marvel movies, and you release something of value, and nobody goes to see it. It's an A24 movie too. So A24 is making like a big jump because they're they're just cranking out releases left and right. And before they were just like the the indie studio that like we're good for like a movie a year. And then now they're just like coming out with just so many different hits and um, really successive releases one after another. And I don't know what their schedule is, but they've got pretty solid movies. So good for A24. Because there was a yeah. heap of horse shit before that. So yeah, maybe we'll do an A24 episode. I'm good with um, that. But yeah, I, I really do like in reviewing this movie, it, it just reminded me of how much I enjoyed it. Um, how much I enjoyed the toys and, and just how great uh, it, it, it just kept getting because the, because of the ridiculousness that they wanted to infuse there wasn't like one action scene at the beginning and one at the end. It was just everywhere at a, at 11, like an over the top 11. That was just so great. The, the part where he plays chicken with everybody. Yeah. Like it's so good. It's so good. There's definitely a lot of good movie tropes in this. Um, a little bit of toxic masculinity, celebrities everywhere. Um, my favorite and most memorable celebrity cameo, there was not the real person there, but you've called it out in your background. As Danny's trying to convince him that he's an actor, they go to the video store because he tells him he's in Terminator and Stallone. He's like, oh he was God. so good in that movie. It was great. Um, it, it's just you know, what could have been if that was the case, you know, like I would, I don't know if you've seen any, like some of the, the deep fakes that have happened where they remake Stallone in some of the Schwarzenegger scenes. It's so fucking realistic. I mean, I, I would almost just pay money to watch a movie 
with that being redone where Schwarzenegger is swapped with Stallone or vice versa. I would love to see a demolition man with Schwarzenegger superimposed into it. It'd be fantastic. Fantastic. Mm. Oh, oh, Taco Bell, the three three seashells out of my ass is dirty. Let's be honest. Demolition man. There's one person. If I had to pick one character in Demolition Man to replace with a different person, Rob Schneider. No. <laughs> Wesley Snipes would be replaced with Samuel L. Jackson. And that movie would be a million times better. A million. I liked Wesley Snipes in that movie. I like Sylvester Stallone in that movie. Hmm. Nobody liked Sandra Bullock in that movie. Yeah. Also, Dennis Leary. Is is that accurate? I believe. Yeah. 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 Dennis Leary's in it. Yeah. I mean, he was a minor character in it, but um, Dennis Leary was big in the nineties, man. Well, I mean, you only want Schwarzenegger in there because because they used the same death from Terminator Two. Because Arnold Schwarzenegger is the best. Mm. And he could do anything that Stallone did, with the exception of Rocky. With the exception of Rocky. I don't know of any other movie. Now, maybe over the top. I would not want to see Schwarzenegger and over the top, but I don't Ooh. Know. so what's what Schwarzenegger movie would you put Stallone in? None. Because every Schwarzenegger movie is perfect. <laughs> I mm. would go towards you know what? I would put Stallone in uh end of days. Or the sixth day, you know, the shitty Schwarzenegger movies. <laughs> That's what I would do. I've, I've got such a high regard for for Schwarzenegger. And, you know, Stallone, he had good movies, but I had my preference. I was locked in, in that mentality of I will either like A or B, you know, that's Schwarzenegger all the way for me. I, I I appreciate both. Um, I think I appreciate Schwarzenegger in the eighties and Stallone in the seventies, and then late in the nineties, more Stallone than Schwarzenegger. Oh yeah. Um, you know, after Junior, I needed a break. I mean, Though I do even... love him with Danny DeVito, but eighties in the eighties, I have to go Schwarzenegger. I Anything... never really got into Rambo. I was okay with Rambo. Um, so really 2000 and up Stallone owned Schwarzenegger. I mean, he was serving as governor for a good chunk of those years. Yeah. So seven years, but um, he was I a mean, Kennedy. He was busy. Yeah. Expendables. You had Schwarzenegger Rocky. was in Expendables. Yeah. But you know, it's you're talking like Rocky even... Balboa and Creed. And... Yeah. 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 No, I mean, I, I, the bookends to the Rocky series have been really good. Speaking of Rocky, what do you think about the whole Drago series spinoff or Drago, Drago spinoff? Not series. It depends how it's written. The, the reason those Rocky movies were so good is because Stallone is a really good writer. Like nobody gives the guy credit. He is an exceptional screenwriter. He wrote and, and did the choreography for those movies. They invented a choreography style for those movies based on Stallone. Stallone came up with it. Everybody thinks he's punchy. He's not punchy. He is 
he is really good at that. And I think it's a money grab. Um, but I think Creed three is a money grab. Yeah. Um, you know, I, mean, I wasn't Michael asking B, for it. Michael B. Jordan's going to, I think Creed two, when they're training in the desert was on dirt. Like that was a little much for me. Like Creed, I got Creed two was okay. But, but I mean, now they're going to make Rocky five again. And that's, they're going to have to retcon it. I didn't even really like Creed Adonis in, in that movie. It, it was, I, I wanted more of Drago's story. That was, that was my thing. That's what like, you're going to get now, buddy. Uh, maybe we'll see. We'll see if that actually happens. I, I want to see if they get Brigitte Nielsen back. That dumpster <laughs> fire. Why? She's the mommy. Yeah. I, I don't mind Dolph Lundgren, but I don't like his acting. Yeah, not the best. So that'll be one that I watch when it comes. Like, it'll be on streaming and I'll watch it. But like Creed, I was stoked because Stallone was in it. You can't do that without Stallone. Just like you can't do Last Action Hero without Arnold and all of Arnold's previous movies because it makes it so much better. And talk about the Arnoldisms in this, right? Am I the only person that still thinks it's hilarious that they made I'll be back a thing in this? And we're like, yeah, you always say that. <laughs> yeah, of course. What's funny? It was, uh, but when I was younger, man, I was not having a good time. I wanted to see legit bona fide ass kicking. And I just saw slapstick comedy. That's what I saw. I well, what about like the Ripper? Burned. The Ripper was kind of scary. It's a weird guy in a you know raincoat and a yeah. metal, surprisingly non-rusted metal metal shirt. It takes a lot for me to be scared. And so, yeah, that character wasn't scary to me. Who was scary was Death. And that, that was oh. Magneto, right? That was Ian it McClellan. It was Sir Ian McKellen, yes. Yeah, that was scary. And he can, once again, he has not aged a day because he still looks old as shit in this movie. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I, the Ripper freaked me out as a kid. Because of the big axe and stuff. Like, I was like, man, you kind of weird looking, kind of creepy. To me, that was like one of the things about horror movies uh, and horror movies in air quotes. Uh, they always had the big weapon. And so I was just like, mm, is this really scary? And I, I and even my 12 year old brain can put together that there is no threat here. There's no threat. He's going to kick this person's ass. No problem. And so that's why I also didn't like it. But then he murdered his kid. After the fact, you know, after the fact. Mm. What about the double cross in this movie where dude, where dude double crosses and, and he murders his, uh, his uh, uncle. Right? It was uncle, Anthony, right? Anthony Quinn, such a moron. And uh, Tywin Lannister as he's, as he's just so just, beside himself and pissed off that he has to deal with this moron like i thought it was hilarious and so it was fun uh, i was completely fine with it uh i didn't really you know watching it the second and third time i was thinking like oh yeah yeah 
double cross, but I didn't view it as like a pivotal moment of the movie. I just thought of it as here's another stop on the ride. You know, it wasn't like, whoa, yeah, it was groundbreaking. It was movie tropish. But what about F. Murray Abraham, where he keeps telling Arnold, don't trust him. He killed Mozart. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that was good. Yeah, that I, I did enjoy that. But thinking about it and rewatching it now, it's such a quick turnaround. You yeah, know, so that double cross is just like, oh, no, he's supposed to be his friend and he's screwing him over and then pop, pop. All right. You're, you're, you're good. Like, all right. On to the next scene. Once again, another stop on the ride. Not even a, not even yeah. a major pit stop, not even sightseeing. It's just take a moment to rest on with the story. Yeah, it, it this movie moves quickly even though it's two hours and 10 minutes it feels like it's 90 minutes it's a long movie it's long yeah it gets it gets they're doing it again they're doing it again um i thought the ending flourished well though like like flashed strong um you know and they did they did give you um the most the most ridiculous part of this movie may not have been the actual movie but the preview for the new schwarzenegger is hamlet movie which I can't <laughs> yeah. not let us talk about. Like, I can't not talk about that. That and Professor Turo Tanaka. I can't not talk about those two things before we get to the ending. Go for it. By all means, go. Schwarzenegger doing Hamlet with the cigar and the automatic weapon. I mean, it speaks for itself. I'm guessing you could YouTube Schwarzenegger Hamlet and just watch the preview for a fake movie in a fake movie about a fake movie it's it's so inception but it was so good it was it was but you know this is another example of how hollywood just recycles stuff is that tropic thunder did that as well too even better though and so i love the fact that like oh this is hilarious because i completely forgot about the whole hamlet yeah um, me too trailer in this but it automatically made me think of tropic thunder and appreciated tropic thunder even more because it was better because it was a montage of those all within that is such an underrated movie tropic thunder like i mean i think it gets all the respect and love that it deserves i I don't don't know. know that the mainstream loves it oh yeah well i mean I think it so. is shocking how much has gotten away with in that, in that oh, yeah. movie. Yeah, it is shocking. Tropic Thunder, like Last Action Hero, they could reboot that in 2022. They could make this movie again. There may not be as many like scantily clad women running around, but they sure. could make this movie again. They just make it like you fall into a phone or something, right? Like I don't know if they make it in the theater. But they could make this movie again. You ain't making, you ain't making Tropic Thunder again. And that was just 2008. That yeah. was not that long ago. But holy shit, that movie's great. It is. It is. And um, ending of this movie was good. You know, you had the the nice feel good moment for Danny as he is able to go back home. And he does what he loves to do. And that's watch Jack Slater. 
and Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. And um, yeah, I, I thought that was, they nailed the ending for it. So that's for sure. What do you think about the fact that he ran into Arnold and they had an Arnold on Arnold moment and Arnold tried to recruit him to open mini malls? Yeah, love it. Because he, you know, he's not immune to making fun of himself. And uh, yeah, so I was completely down for it. I wish they would have had more of those ridiculous celebrity run-in cameos because I don't know. I just like the, the whole breaking the fourth wall irony type of thing you know anything where it's so ridiculous that you just end up laughing about it and yeah maybe that's why i like movies like free guy and stuff like that because there's always a whole bunch of ridiculous cameos and and celebrities that'll just pop up for no reason i'm i'm super glad i picked this movie just because of your positive reaction to it uh so i gotta ask now right after we've talked through most of the movie um it seems like you could do this all day. Will, will you be back? I cannot do this all day. I like it a whole lot more, but I cannot do this movie all day. The reasoning as to why is because just like revenge is a dish best served cold, Arnold Schwarzenegger movies are a movie that needs to have violence, blood, gore in a non-comedic effect. That's just, that just is me, in my opinion. Mm. And so I do like this movie probably like 60% more than I did when I first watched because I freaking hated it. I trashed it. I said it sucked. I never have, I have not watched it since I was 12 years old. So it's been a long time. And I watched it twice in the past couple months. So that's a lot of progress in my eyes. But to be fair, I cannot do this all day. I, uh, I absolutely can do this all day because comedic Schwarzenegger is my favorite Schwarzenegger. Uh, True Lies, Twins, Kindergarten Cop, these are my favorite Schwarzenegger movies, along with Last Action Hero. I love Kindergarten Cop, but Twins, eh, that, I haven't seen that. Um, I tried watching it recently, but I was okay with stopping after like 20 minutes. Um, but yeah, you know, I like, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger is my action hero. Um, I don't think there's anyone that is in that same iconic status level now with the exception of maybe the rock but even then he does the whole um, mixing and matching of the genres as well so that's that's one of the things that i don't necessarily like so that maybe the reason why i liked kindergarten cop is because it didn't blend a whole lot of action with his comedy yeah there's a few shotgun scenes but other than that that was all comedy the little kids stole the show and Schwarzenegger um, and his, his partner uh, were just, you know, like the adults in everything, but the kids stole the show and Schwarzenegger and his interactions with them was a nice, nice change of pace for him. So he, he picked a good movie and a good script and um, Dolph Lundgren followed it up about 20, 30 years later. And I haven't finished it yet. So I'll let you know when I do.
I don't that, that's like Blues Brothers 2000. It doesn't exist to me. And I'm proud of you for giving Pamela Reed her due. She's Pamela she's, Reed is amazing in that movie. She's so good in that. Yeah. Love that. But yeah, so you can do it all day, huh? I I I do. I I, I like this movie. It just it just every time I watch it, it puts a smile on my face. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, I like I said, I, I like it a whole lot better more or a whole lot better now. I like a whole lot better now. But I think uh you know that is a nice little cap on the nineties. I mean, we gave them we gave them the drama, we gave them the suspense, uh, the the the, uh, the recreational drug use, and uh, they got to find out about Marcellus Wallace, and then we gave them all of the the laughing Terminator. I'm sorry we had to end the nineties like that, and I was sorry that Schwarzenegger had to go through that, but you know what? Uh, Good movie, underrated movie. Check it out, um, but maybe not check it out all day. Mm. But that will wrap up today's episode of Retro Rewind '90s Edition. I'm Dan, the part-time adventure. That's Mark, the resident Jedi. Like and subscribe. Um, suggestions, messages, thoughts on what we should do next. Um, you know, you'll get that alert every Monday to watch the new episode if you just subscribe and if you really don't like what we're doing go ahead and hit the dislike button but hit it twice just so we know you're serious until next time we'll be back <laughs>